Hey, one more time, let's give it up for all the moms in the room. So incredibly thankful for all of you. If you've got your Bibles, would you take them and turn with me to the book of Mark, please, in the New Testament, Mark chapter 3. We started a series just a few weeks ago, and it was looking at the encounters that people had with Jesus and how it changed their lives, and we, the series is called Because of Jesus. Um, but today I want to talk to you about um, an encounter Jesus has, and it's an ongoing encounter, but it's not just a random encounter. He didn't just come across somebody. He didn't just meet somebody. This is the encounters that he had with his own family and the challenges that he had with his own family and then the, the change in his family that we see towards the end of their lives in this. And today, I just want to talk to you about because of Jesus, my family has hope. Some of you just need to circle that and take that home with you today, that your family has hope. Some of you are here that you think your family is probably too far gone that there are some things in your life and your family that are just um, unredeemable. Can I just tell you that the Lord has the ability to turn every single person and every single family around? And in verses uh, 20 and 21, the interesting part of this is Jesus has been ministering, and as he's ministering, he begins to teach, and there is this encounter. We'll look at this encounter first, and then there's a second encounter that takes place. So there's an encounter that takes place, um, with his family, then there's this encounter that takes place with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and then his family comes back into the picture, and both of these times are very, very negative on his family side of things. And then I want us to see how it all changed at the very end of the lives of his family, his brothers especially. So in verses 20 and 21, it says, one time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again, and soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. And when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. So just to put that in perspective, just so you know who the pronouns are for. This says, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take Jesus away. And they said, he, Jesus, is out of his mind. I know you've probably had some disagreements in your families. But his brothers and his family are literally telling everyone, Jesus has lost his mind. Now, I know you've been disappointed in Jesus before, probably. You probably didn't like some things God done, but I don't know if you've ever said, I think Jesus is out of his mind. I want you to see the family dynamics that are taking place here. Because in this, I think you're going to find some encouragement for your family as well. So let's pray. Lord, in the next few moments, let your words speak to us. Speak clearly, I pray, into our hearts. I pray you would anoint the words you've given me to say, anoint our ears to hear them, anoint our hearts to receive them so you may accomplish your perfect will in each and every one of our lives and in each of our families. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. So a few years ago, uh, Laura and I were traveling. The kids were very small. They were like three and five um, and uh, so we had this minivan at the time, and it had captain's chairs in the front, captain's chairs in the middle. And then, um, so the kids were in the middle seat. They were kind of watching TV. Um, I know I'm dating myself. This is really, I don't know if it was before or we just couldn't afford the drop-down DVD player. 
You know, so we had a TV and a stand in there and the kids were watching this. And so we stopped and we had to get some, some lunch. And so we got lunch and it was just fast food. So we um, got lunch and um, I'm driving, thankfully. Laura's having to deal with the kids at this time. And so she's trying to distribute lunch to everybody. And so she's getting out, you know, here's chicken nuggets for you. Here's hamburger for you. They're really hungry, okay? And so they are just saying, hey, mom, let me have this. Can I have a napkin? Can I have some ketchup? Can I have, you know? And they're over and over and over. And she's going, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm getting it all. Any of the moms know what I'm talking about right now. So she says, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. My, my daughter, Lauren, was like, mom, I need it now. Mom, I need it now. And Laura turns around. And she says, Lauren, I've only got two hands. To which Lauren, three years old, says, are you using both of them right now? <laughs> and that daughter of mine hasn't changed since then. <laughs> you ever felt that way though? There's not enough hands to do what needs to be done. There's not enough wisdom or intelligence to make the right decisions. There's not enough of you to go around. And today in the world in which we live, in the days of social media, and I'm not here to bash social media. There's some folks that I follow on Twitter. I follow for news and for people that kind of inspire me and I, I learn some things from them and even on Instagram as well. Um, but I have found that when I observe these folks, have any of you ever noticed that they always have it all together? Like they give all this great advice and it's like, they all, it's always perfect. It's if then, if you'll do this, then this is gonna happen. How many of you know when it comes to family, if and then don't necessarily follow each other? I can sometimes feel a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit inadequate when I see someone else seemingly like they've got it all together and I'm trying to pattern my life after that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm here to give you some good news this morning. All throughout the history of time, as God records the events of the Bible, God has made his, brought his perfect will through imperfect families. Somehow, some way, he's leaned into and taken all the imperfections that are taking place in every family, and he's bringing his will out of those families. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, when he creates man and woman, everything is perfect. So they weren't fighting an uphill battle. Everything was perfect. They sinned, sin entered into the world. And because of that, as a result of that, their two children, Cain and Abel, have a sibling rivalry to such an extent that one of them kills the other one. And for the first time in human history, human blood is spilled. This comes out of a perfection. And yet God's perfect will, the New Testament tells us, that just like the first Adam, the second Adam, Jesus comes in to redeem us. Just as one brought death, one brings life. Somehow, some way, God is able to bring perfection out of imperfection. Then there's Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, these are two twins that fought all their life. And let me just tell you something. They fought before they were even born. The Bible says they were fighting in their mother's womb. I know many of you think that your children were doing the same thing, right? And they had a sibling rivalry all of their lives. Rachel and Leah, two sisters, one of them fell in love with Jacob, and Jacob was going to marry her until her father decided that 
the younger shouldn't be married before the older. And so instead of giving Jacob Rachel, whom he loved on their wedding night, he sends in Leah to be with him. And then he's married to Leah instead and then says, okay, you can have Rachel as well. So Jacob has two wives, they're sisters, and they have this constant rivalry. And yet out of that imperfection, God brings what we know as the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there's Joseph and his 11 brothers. How many of you have a sibling that you don't get along with sometimes? Let me just see your hand. All right. How many of you are scared to raise your hand right now? Let me see your hand. (laughs) There are some sibling rivalries I have seen in my life, but this one tops them all. His brothers couldn't stand him so much that they kidnapped him threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and then told his father that he had been murdered or or had been mauled and killed by a wild animal. That takes sibling rivalry up to an epic proportion. And yet out of that, God saves his people out of a drought and brings them into Egypt where he will later bring them out And they will be two million strong. And he'll found his people in the promised land. Jesus and his brothers even had sibling rivalry. As you can see in the passage, his brothers come and they just say very simply, he's out of his mind. Now, Mark is not telling us this because they whispered it to each other. This is verbally heard outside of the place where Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. So let me just give you a couple of things that I need you to know this morning. Number one is this. All families have problems. All families have problems. Some of you can breathe a sigh of relief right now. You have thought all of this time, everybody else has it all together and your family's just kind of falling apart. All families have problems. As a matter of fact, In John chapter 7, the brothers of Jesus taught him after they've actually heard his teaching and seen the first of his miracles. They were there and witnessed the first of his miracles. And then they taught Jesus. So in John chapter 7, in the first five verses, it says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee and he wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, now, if you just read this and you read with no emotion, you miss this. You need to read this as it is. What his brothers say to him, read it dripping with sarcasm. Okay? So here's what they say. Jesus, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And here's what John says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Can you imagine that? I don't know. It, it makes me cringe a little bit when they're like, when, when they're sort of baiting Jesus into an argument. You know what I mean? It makes me cringe a little bit, but then it also gives me a lot of hope that God is very, very patient with me and with you and with our families. Because as you will see later, his brothers don't stay this way. 
his brothers completely change and acknowledge him as the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. But at this moment in time, all they can see is their jealousy of Jesus and their unbelief as others are believing around them. This is why in verse 21 again, he says, they just literally look and say, he's out of his mind. Literally, he has lost his mind to Jesus. So all families have problems. The second thing I want you to see is this, is that Jesus redefines success in families. Jesus redefines success in families. So they have this encounter, and then Jesus has this encounter with the Pharisees, and then his family reengages again in verses 21 through, I mean, 31 through 35. It says this, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. And there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked around at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is a bold, radical statement from Jesus to the people that are around him. Because the Jewish people believed that family was everything and that all of their blessings flowed from their family because their family was eventually connected with Abraham. And because Abraham was blessed, their family was blessed. And because their family was blessed, they were blessed. So it was because of their family that they believe that all of these things are happening. It was because of their family name. If you were associated with their family, then you would be blessed in this. Now, you, you may not see it that way. You may not say it that way today. What you may say is, you know, you may think that your blessings are there because you're, you know, uh, because you're a part of your family. So you're blessed because you're part of the Roche family. You know, you're blessed because you're part of the Young family. You're blessed because you're a part of your family, the Ryle family. That's the reason why you're blessed. That's what the Jewish people believe. And you might not say it that way. What, you, what we say is this. Hey, listen up. We act a certain way. We do certain things. We accomplish certain things because we're a part of the Walters family, right? We're Walters. You hear that all the time. Try, trying, to, trying to wrap everybody around about loyalty and the purpose of your family. Jesus redefines all of that because he says it's not because of your family, and it's not your family that your blessings flow from. Your blessings flow from God through your family. And he ties it directly. When he says, anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. See, we define success as certain things. In our culture, in the world, we tell people we're successful if we accomplish certain things in our life. But can I tell you something? That's not how God looks at things. Let me tell you what success is not in God's eyes. Success is not about cars or houses or vacation homes or trust funds or success in business or athletic abilities or IQ or academic ability or your family name. It's got nothing to do with any of that in God's eyes. That's not what success is about. Can I tell you what success is in the eyes of God? It's living by God's standards. And his standards are not given out for us to 
to debate over what those standards are. He clearly spells them out in his word. There is some type of, in this day and age, there is this popular notion that we can redefine what God says. We do not redefine what God says. What God says redefines us. We don't get to put our version of God's word, we put God's word into us and allow us to become the people he's called us to be. Live by God's standards and you will be opposed by the world sometimes. Live by God's standards anyway. You live by God's standards. You rely on God's grace. And what I mean is this. If you're a parent in the room, you're never going to feel like you have all of the answers. You're not going to feel like that, that you've got it all figured out. And there are going to be questions that your children ask you, whether you, they are three or whether they are 63, that you won't have the answers for. But somehow, through God's grace, he will speak wisdom into your heart and will speak to their hearts as well sometimes. In ministry, in parenting, can I just tell you, the smartest things I've ever said, the wisest things I've ever said were not because I studied anything. It's because the Holy Spirit sparked something in that moment with a right now word at that circumstance. You have to rely that God's grace will make up the inadequacies that you feel. You live by God's standards. You rely on God's grace and you trust in God's plan for your family, not your plan for your family, his plan. Can I, just, can I just speak to parents? God gives you children, gives us children to nurture and raise up so that they will follow in the ways that he has called them, not the ways that we want to determine for them. I... So I'm not talking about you here, okay? So everybody just breathe a sigh of relief. I haven't known you all my life, okay? But I can tell you what surprises me is the people that I have known all my life through social media, it is astounding to me when I see them and they, they post things on social media and it's something that their children did athletically or there's something their children did academically and they're like, yeah, I'm telling you what, look at them. They're so great. They're taking after mom and dad. And I'm like, I knew you. They're not, this, this athleticism didn't come from you. That IQ didn't come from you. There is a temptation to live vicariously the dream that we wanted through our children to accomplish. That is not what God has intended for us. We are to raise our children with the passions and the giftings that God has given them so they can discover the purpose that he has destined for them. And it's so important because the world pressure will try to get you to fit them into a mold. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Live by God's standards. And if you want to be a success as a family, raise your children to live by God's standards and they'll raise their children to live by God's standards 
And you'll see generation upon generation upon generation living in the blessing and the favor of the Lord. And Jesus redefines that. It's not about your family name. It's about his name being over your family. The third thing I want you to see is this. And it's at the end of his brother's lives, two of them take a lead role in the church. The church that is preaching about Jesus being what? Lord and Messiah, the one who died for our sins, the one who raised a new life, and the one who is coming back again. The ones who said he is out of his mind to now the ones that say he is alive forevermore and he's coming again. What changed? They had seen the miracles. They had heard the teachings, but something changed. They saw Jesus raised from the dead. And everything changed. And that's the one thing I want you to see, is that the resurrection of Jesus gives my family hope. Because if death, hell, and the grave has no hold on him, then he has the authority and the power to speak and deliver in every circumstance, and that includes my life and my family's life and my family members' lives. Look at this glorious um, turn of events. In Acts chapter 1, this is right after Jesus, 40 days after he's raised from the dead, he spends time with, the, with people and with his disciples, and he ascends into heaven in order to, be, um, in order to um, make intercession for us and also prepare a place for eternity for us. And this is what it says in verses 12 through 14. It seems random, but I gotta say, you have to notice something here. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. And when they, opened, when they arrived, they went up to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and notice this, and the brothers of Jesus. So the ones who were saying he was out of his mind, who were dripping with sarcasm, who didn't believe in him, John tells us, now have been with him, seen him risen from the dead, and are now in the room where the Holy Spirit's gonna be poured out and gonna empower them to be witnesses for their own brother, whom they doubted, now they know to be Lord and Savior of all. James, his brother, in the very first verse of his letter says, this letter is from James, notice, a slave or servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not my brother, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, who is the Christ. Jude, who is another brother of Jesus, writes in the first verse of his letter, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. Notice that. At one time he said he was out of his mind. Now he says, I am a slave and servant to him. He says, I'm writing to all who've been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. And then in the last couple of verses of that letter, here's what Jude says. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, Power and authority are his before all time in the present and beyond all time. How do you go from he's out of his mind to baiting him with sarcasm to all glory, majesty, power, and dominion belong to him 
from before all time in the present time and for all time to come. They experienced Jesus raised from the dead. And can I just tell you something? The purpose of the words of this book, the reason that we come into this place is for one purpose, is that you may experience the power of the resurrected Christ. This is not a history lesson. This is an introduction to the God who loves you, who has redeemed you, who has called you and empowered you. And can I tell you something? Some of you in this room right now, you think you've made such a colossal failure of your life that you are beyond hope. Can I just tell you, you are never beyond hope because Jesus is alive. Some of you think your relatives, your children, your parents, maybe your spouse, maybe your extended family, that they have for so long lived outside of the knowledge of Jesus Christ that they're beyond help. Can I tell you something? They are not beyond help. My grandfather was, died when he was about 85 years old. He was a World War II veteran and experienced such horrific um, experience in, um, in World War II. Two Purple Hearts. Couldn't talk about it. And for 40 years was an alcoholic following it. Refused to talk about anything to do with Jesus, even though my father, his son, was a pastor. Wouldn't have anything to do with it. I tried to bring it up to him one time in a letter. Infuriated him. The last year of his life, he suffered with dementia. And towards the end of his time, there were not many cognitive moments. But about three weeks before his death, my father was in the room with him, just sitting with him. And granddad was sort of not really there. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, something switched. And he was cognizant. And he knew what was going on. He knew everything. All his memories were there. And in that moment, my dad shared Jesus one more time. And he said, Dad, would you like to ask Jesus to be your Lord today? And he said, I think I would today. Within 20 minutes after he accepted Christ, all the recognition slipping back into dementia and never came back out. Let me just tell you something. You are never too far gone that the long arm of grace can't reach you. And that loved one you've been praying for for five or 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, they are never too far gone that the arm of grace cannot reach them. Can I tell you something? If Christ be raised, he's got a plan and a purpose for your family and for your life. And for some of you, that begins today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, please? For some of you, this is the moment where you just need to recognize, I, I know I'm not right with the Lord. And you've had the enemy whisper into your ear, into your mind, that with all the things that you've gone, how can you even think that God would accept you? He doesn't accept you because of you. He accepts you because of Jesus. 
You simply need to pray by faith something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you died for my sins and that you raised a new life so that I could have a new life too. I don't have to live that way anymore. I can now live in the promises of God. I yield my life to you and ask you to be the Lord of my life. Redeem me and help bring about the purpose you've called in my life. Now, if everyone in the room would just pray this prayer of profession, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time, mean it. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you know when you came in this room today, things aren't right between you and the Lord, but you're making a decision to follow him today. I'm not here to embarrass you at all. I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, would you be bold enough just to raise your hand really high and hold it up just a moment so I can pray for you this week? God bless you. Yeah, keep them up just a moment. Thank you. You're not alone. Amen. 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 All right, you can put them down. Now, if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I've got a loved one that I have prayed for and prayed for, and I've either been so discouraged or I'm wondering Are they ever going to come back to Jesus? Are they ever going to find grace? And I've been so discouraged, and I need God to just encourage me today to keep on praying, keep on believing. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Oh, man, you're not alone. Hands everywhere. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now for lives that have been changed and redeemed by the power of the grace that is given to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the life of Christ that gave his life for us so that we could have new life. I thank you for those that made a decision this morning, and I pray, God, that the weight of sin would be lifted off of their shoulders, that shame would be not be associated with them anymore. But, Lord, I pray that your grace and joy and peace would rush into their lives. Lord, I pray for those who have family members who are far from you, and they're concerned, and they're, they've prayed, and they've prayed, and they've prayed, and they've believed, and they've believed, and they're not seeing anything happen, God. I pray that you just send a sense of encouragement to them, oh, Lord. I, send, I pray that you send grace to them to keep praying, to keep believing, to keep asking, oh, God. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will begin to tug on the hearts of our loved ones, oh, Lord, convicting and convincing, oh, God, those loved ones to come back to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, literally bidding them to to come home. And God, I pray right now and thank you for all that you are doing, for every redeemed soul that took place today in this room, for the redeemed souls that are going to come in our family members, and for the wonderful stories of transformation. And the fact that you take perfection out of imperfection, we give you praise because we know that you can use us if that's the standard. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his, what he does in our lives. And thank you for the promise that he gives us for our families. In his wonderful name, we pray and believe these things. Amen and amen. Hey, can you celebrate with us? Six people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ today. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to do something. You've got a name in your mind to that person in your family that you've been praying for. And I want you right now to, you've prayed for them. Now I want you to just do by faith. Thank God in advance for their salvation right now. Can you put your hands together and give God praise right now in advance, thanking them for that salvation. Amen.
Amen. God bless you folks. Uh, if you would stand with me, please. Hey, when you leave this morning, I hope you'll take advantage. There's a place for pictures you can take out there. All the ladies in the room, man, I really hope that you'll be a part of our Bloom Conference. That's this Friday night, this Saturday morning. You just need to register. We just need to know how much food we need to provide for you for that. It's going to be fantastic. So ladies, you can scan the QR code right now. It'll take you to the registration page. If you don't know how to do that, stop by our information desk. We'll help you get registered or you can register online. But we really need to know this week a good count of that. And the, uh, the faster you register, the more chances you're able to get into the breakout sessions that you want. Because those fill up. There's a maximum cap on the breakout sessions. General sessions are fine, but the breakout sessions, we want you to be a part of the ones that you would really like to. Let me have the privilege of blessing you before you go today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you folks. Love you. Happy Mother's Day.